Welcome to the Smug Film Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Clark. With me today is Jenna Ipcar. Good morning, Dave. And live via Skype, it's Alex Hyatt. Hey. Hiya, Hyatt. <laughs> you did that last time. I'm going to do it every time. <laughs> All right, that's fine. All I'm right. worried that because I did it last time, that's why it's been so long for you to come back because you didn't like right. it. Right. I took offense. Now it's going to be another four months or six months or however long it's been. Because that was from Michigan the last time. Yeah, where are you hailing from now, kid? Illinois. Illinois. Yeah, next time it's going to be like Utah or something. Keep evading the police, right? <laughs> yeah, every time I get on Skype, they know. Now I got to move again. <laughs> you're a uh, you're a rock bandit, right? I don't know. A rock bandit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought you meant like rock band is a game. No, you steal rocks, and that's why you're evading the police, yeah. right? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you yeah. steal it for science purposes, right? Correct. Yeah, I did technically steal rocks from Iceland. Brought those through customs, and they didn't know. Did you ever get in trouble for that? Nope. Nope. And you, I, I, you, so if I mean, you're a I, cop and you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> this is an open and shut case. Yeah, no, I guess airlines don't seem to care about rocks. I've had my backpack, I've had like five pounds of rocks just sitting in it and no one ever asked questions or anything. Maybe it just doesn't show up on the scanner. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. It's got They got metal, so they should. I don't know. Just so, like robots. <laughs> yeah, we should get into oh, the topic. Good segue. <laughs> We're going to talk about robots today, but first we should explain the whole rock thing. You You study rocks, right? I did. That was my major. Well, what is, what's it now? What do you do now? Well, I'm not in college anymore, so I don't study anything. I'm a, I'm a research assistant at the University of Illinois. Are you a, studying a, Illinois? No, no. It's a sustainable agriculture project. All right. So what's that? No rocks in that field? Not really, actually, no. Hmm. Well, what's sustainable? What's, what's the agriculture that's sustainable? Oy, uh, it's, um, I don't want to get into too much detail about it, but it's, it's basically um, most... Crops in the United States are annuals, um, so they will grow up in the spring. You harvest them, and the plant dies, and then you got to replant it in the spring. This system is based on perennials, uh, so you plant trees and shrubs and plants that will be around like for evergreens, years. right? No, it's not like an evergreen. No, no, aren't those around you all just the time? Perennial. Well, yeah, no, evergreens are, but that's not evergreens are called that because they um, stay green in the winter. Yeah, but are they like a perennial? They are perennial, sure. Yeah, okay. That's just, that's all I was trying to say. That's, <laughs> um, all, that's the only point so, I was trying to make. But these are like fruits and nuts and berries and stuff like that. What nuts are year-round? Well, these nuts. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the topic for today is not nuts. The topic for today is robots. Are robots yeah. perennials? Yes. I don't think there are any robots that would self-destruct in under a year or like go bad within a year. Yeah, most inanimate objects are perennials, I would say. <laughs> you guys saw the uh, the big robot movie. Well, it became the big robot movie. The big robot movie should have been fucking Chappie because Chappie's amazing and we'll get to that soon. But everybody's talking about Ex Machina. Everybody loves mm -hmm. that. You guys kind of disagreed. Alex likes it, Jenna, not so much. You know, I haven't seen it. I don't care either way. I'm happy with Chappie. I don't need another robot movie this year. That was my robot movie. Fucking loved it. I'm good. I don't need to go see no Ex Machina. Tell me about it. Tell me uh, your feelings on it, Alex. I know you dug it. Okay, well, I was going to say, it's been, a, it's been a couple good years for robot movies, I think, because I'm going to count um, uh, Under the Skin as a robot movie. Okay. Too. 
hmm. which I might not have before, but I think I do now. Yeah, it's like I, robotic. You know. And that came out like last year, 2013 or something. Um, yeah, that's good. Ex Machina is good. I like it a lot. I don't know what you want me to give a synopsis or what. I don't. I don't know. So it, all right, I'll <laughs> I'll give a synopsis. Yeah, go Jenna. So Ex Machina, I was super excited to go see because I like Alex Garland. It's his directorial debut. He's the guy who wrote uh, 28 Days Later and Sunshine and oh, Never man. Let Me Go. Yeah. So I was like, hell yeah! Now a new movie. Has a robot, uh, looked good. The trailer was awesome. So I was super excited. And then I saw it and I was let down by it because I just thought it was sort of hollow and bland. And I wasn't, here's the one thing I went, all the reviews that I read from like, you know, big name reviewers who seem to enjoy it, keep calling Ava, the main robot, uh, delicate and like, you know, sensitive and, and sweet. And, and I just don't see that at all. And it totally turns me off from the movie. It's got your boy in it, though, right? So now I'm in love with Oscar Isaac. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, I, he's he's great. I've been a, a fan of his since uh, Lewin Davis, so fairly recently. He's but. like the handsome David Krumholtz. My theory about Oscar Isaac is that he looks like any kind of New Yorker. Like, mm -hmm. you can't tell. He could be Greek, Italian, Spanish, Yeah, Jewish. he can play whatever. He could be any kind of New Yorker with, like, you know, lighter skin to, like, tan skin. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. That's a lot of roles. Boys got range. <laughs> yeah. But uh, more, he's just very talented. And uh, I don't know. I've liked everything I've seen him in so far. And he, in Ex Machina, he was great. I thought he was like, uh, definitely the best part of that film. That Without him, I don't know. I, I probably would have been very bored by the movie. But I was kept waiting to see what he was doing. So I thought he was wonderful. Does he play a robot or is he a guy? He is not. He is basically like a, a Bill Gates kind of guy. Uh -huh. who lives off by himself in this crazy mansion, which uh, I spent the half the movie wondering, like, is this in, like, Washington? Is this in Canada? It turns out it's in Norway, and it's actually a hotel. Mm. And so if you ever want to go hang out in Ex Machina land, you can just go to this hotel in Norway, which I'm sure costs a bazillion dollars. But... It's a smug film exclusive right now. <laughs> <laughs> Bring uh, tickets to it. Yeah. Yeah. You, if you uh, if you're our first caller, <laughs> you'll win tickets to the Ex Machina Hotel <laughs> You can reenact your favorite scenes from Ex Machina. Yeah, I'll talk to you behind glass. I'll I'll play Ava. So he is this Bill Gates kind of like super guy who uh, runs. Um, he's invented Google, basically. Not they don't call it call it Blue Book, but it's Google. Blue Book. So they he invents Google, and he's like you know genius. Uh, who you know isn't Blue Book like a uh, like for cars? You um, got to look up like the Blue Book rating, Alex. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, that's a car thing. Yeah, man. <laughs> So we already know Ex Machina plagiarized from life and stole the name Blue Book. <laughs> All so that's one plagiarized from life. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. So that's a, that's one strike against it. <laughs> but your your verdict. So, so yeah. So basically, he they bring this guy in who's um what's his name Dom Hall Gleason or whatever. Dom Hall what? Yeah, who's the guy from Frank and from Harry Potter? He's the red haired guy. Uh huh. Skinny white boy. <laughs> That's all he's been in, in my mind. Um, and he wins, basically, he's an employee of Google, and he wins this award to, to go hang out with Bill Gates. <laughs> what are their names? I've, let's, let's use real names. You keep calling them Bill Gates. <laughs> uh, it's Nathan. Nathan is... Oscar Isaac plays Nathan. Nathan. And then... Caleb, uh, right? Yeah, there you go. Caleb. Okay, Caleb is Dom Hall, and Nathan is Oscar Isaac. And so uh, they go to Oscar Isaac's house. <laughs> I'm just going to keep <laughs> using that. And uh, he tells him, hey, you're going to you actually were chosen for a Turing test. 
So I actually have built like this, Alan Turing. Yeah. So uh, the Turing test is basically whether or not. Oh man. You're like a robot or whatever, right? <laughs> like it's a long sort. You can be applied to multiple things, but yeah, in this movie, it's it's used to like see whether or not you can tell that the person that you're talking to is a robot. Didn't they fucking circumvent that like last year by like making the person foreign and they like totally cheated and like passed it? Did you hear yeah, about that? Yeah, that was a fake thing. They pretended it was like a like a twelve year old Russian kid. That was or so something fucking like cheap. I could have yeah. done that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one, no one in the field actually buys that. One. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you knew what I was talking about because, like, I would have just sounded weird. But. Wait, there's this amazing NPR piece that was about a guy who was a brain scientist and he was on OKCupid okay and he was in a relationship with this Russian woman for like months to the point where he was convinced and her English wasn't great and he was convinced, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to go out there and, and like meet her. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to fly to Russia and meet her. And at the point where he was like about to buy tickets, and she was encouraging him and like he had kept this up for months. And then finally he gets this email from someone who goes, hey, I'm sorry, man. That was just like my chat robot. And I feel really bad. I don't want you to buy a ticket to Russia because I'm not I don't even live in Russia. Oh, man. And this guy had been fooled this entire time into this rela- loving relationship with this woman, which was like amazing. But anyhow, so this movie. <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to so, segue from nerd heartbreak? Well, I mean, so this movie actually is very much about that yeah, in a way. Sure. Yeah, but absolutely. I don't know. Easy segue. We could we can really start to spoil this if we want, I guess. But I'm not gonna we'll, see it. I mean, I let's caution against it because people probably listen and don't want to hear too too much, but All right, well know. we'll keep it a little vague. But anyhow, so it's about it's about um Caleb interacting with Ava, who is this this sexy female robot. Yeah. And having to talk to her every day, and then he eventually sort of starts feeling some things for her and then shit gets kind of out of hand there's some nudity in this right there's full frontal all over anyone who is female and robotic gets uh full frontal nudity any any dude nudity no except that you oscar isaac has his chest out a lot is it a good chest he looks pretty pumped up for the movie he's pretty buff i didn't realize he was that big all right oscar isaac good for you man (laughs) all right so jenna your verdict not so good well, so, okay, I was just disappointed because I just, oh, well, okay, in part, it was my expectation of the film. Uh, the movies that I've really loved from Alex Garland have been thrillers and maybe like from Danny Boyle, with Danny Boyle directing them. And I'm wondering if maybe what I really love is Danny Boyle directing mm-hmm. Alex Garland. But so this one wasn't, it's not a thriller. It's like, it's very, it's it's just sort of, it simmers. Mm. And then there's one final piece in the end you know like stuff gets a little bit nuts but i never there was never that um i don't know i, I was never thrilled or scared or excited well never let point. me go is kind of like that right yeah which is why it wasn't i didn't really like it. yeah so that might just be his vibe it, it might be his vibe on his own but i think that yeah i think that what i really like is him being directed by danny boyle all right so that's in part my human flaw error mm. so alex you you dug it more right yeah i did yeah, I don't know. I, I've kind of got a theory about why you didn't like it, and this is probably she's totally a robot. Ah, man, you figured right? it yeah. out, Error. dude. Error. God I mean, damn yeah, it! I, we were hoping to were... string you along for the whole episode, but Must nah. kill Alex Hyatt. <laughs> it's 2015. Robots don't talk like that anymore. Yeah, I do not understand. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what was I gonna say? You're um, going to say you loved it. Oh, the bad theory that is probably totally off mark, but I, so you said you loved the trailer. I didn't see the trailer. I didn't know this movie existed until like a m- 
couple of weeks before I saw it. Um, and I also didn't know it was Alex Garland until like a week before I saw it. I didn't know who was in it. I had no idea what it was about. So it was pretty, pretty much blind. I went to see it because I like Alex Garland so much. And uh, so like I didn't have any preconceived notions about what the movie was going to be or end up as. I mean, I imagine the trailer gives more away about like the thriller sort of end of it. It has a build. It's definitely that by the end of the trailer, you're, you're kind of, your heart's pumping. You're like, yeah. Right. And see, like, that's, I can see why somebody who might have gone in expecting to have their heart pumping wouldn't necessarily be satisfied. You know, because like three quarters of the way through the movie, you still just get Caleb and Nathan like sitting on couches talking to each other about AI. So it's, it's really not paced like a thriller or even like most science fiction movies. It's, it's mostly just two people sitting in a room talking about AI or art or like the human mind and stuff like that. So if, yeah, if you're not like in tune with its vibe, then yeah, you're probably not going to like it. I can feel that. I, th that's definitely a part of why I didn't like it. And, and like, I'll totally own up to that. But the other thing is that I do love like Antonioni films, you know, like I like the, the slow plotting movies that don't, nothing really happens. Like that's something that I can get into. And halfway through the movie, you realize, all right, like I, I will admit to spending a decent amount of that movie being like, all right, it's going to, this is it. It's going to happen. Nothing, mm -hmm. nothing really happens, but right, right, right. I got into it to a degree. It's just that then at that point I was like, all right, this isn't what I expected, but could be, could still be good. But then I just didn't like Ava. She was like super disappointing for me because I just thought that she was sort of overly uh, emotional and, and just not just sort of like too roundabout and a little too human in, in the wrong ways. Like, I, and I know that part of this movie is about, you know, she's meant to be the number one robot that you can't tell if she's human or robot. Like I get that, but I just, there's nothing appealing about her for me. And I wonder if it's in part that, you know, that because of the fact that I'm not, I'm not attracted to her and I'm not going to project all these ideas of what I think about women with these like baby perfect faces onto her because I don't, it's not like, you know, it's not my thing. And, like which the, is a big part of the plot. Yeah, you're more into the, yeah. the Oscar Isaac. But even just, I mean, he, so now he was a more interesting character because he had this sort of weird depth and he had this sort of, you never knew what he was thinking. And like, whereas Ava, like, I just thought, I don't know, she has a lot of hate in her and she straight, straight up says that she hates Oscar Isaac and stuff like that. And I just didn't, I don't like hateful robots just don't really... <laughs> doesn't make sense to me like i don't see why why does why make her a robot if she's gonna hate somebody like whereas the robots that i tend to really love maybe they'll do things that are immoral or they'll do things that are that you know are vicious but like they usually have a, a real like a logic behind it and an end game for it mm. whereas some of what she did i just thought was just sort of cruel and like i could see there you know so alex and i too to, to add a little more backstory to this have had like numerous facebook chats about this oh yeah so I think someone in, in the course of us doing like, you know, back and forth with this mentioned something about like basically explained everything that she did of, of here's why she would have potentially done this. And it's like, all right, fine. Like, I can see that. Like, I don't know. It just didn't it didn't do it for me. But you liked Ava. I, I will agree that I think she was the least interesting character in the movie. Oh, OK. Yeah, no, I can totally see that. Um, like her her moves, things like going to put on her clothes, you know, and coming back and showing it off to Caleb and doing the little twirl and stuff like that. It's a, it was a bit easy compared to like how difficult the movie is in general. 
You know, uh, the way that she plots things isn't like the most engaging, uh, particularly compared to Nathan, who will come into a room and you have no idea what he's going to say. Yeah. Right, right. So, no, I can definitely agree with that. Um, I would say, though, about like, you know, one thing that AI movies have done, unfortunately, is they conditioned us to think that AIs should work in one way or another. And like, we can watch a movie that presents an artificial intelligence and we'll be like, that's not realistic. That's not what an AI would do, which, you know, is a bit problematic because obviously nobody knows what any AI is going to do. And I think the movie kind of gets away with that in that, you know, she's, she's meant to act like a human. That's the way Nathan builds her. And She's meant to fool people into thinking she's human. Um, so regardless of what is quote unquote actually going on inside of her head, you know, she that's the whole point is that she can pull that off. And so like whether or not she's actually cruel or whether or not she actually hates Nathan, I think is kind of besides the point. You know, the whole the whole movie is kind of a demonstration of the tearing test in that sense. And that the whole the whole point is that she can fool everybody into thinking that she she's you know feeling things that she may or may not actually be feeling and i think to get hung up on like her hating somebody even though why would an ai hate somebody is kind of kind of maybe missing the mark but her like whole like but she, her moves were so obvious too i didn't think there was anything terribly clever about her yeah i mean she's there to it's a bit easy yeah, the, the one thing that also sort of annoyed me about this... Well, actually, okay, there's actually two things I got to bring up about, like, expectations about AI. I didn't like the sexuality in this movie because I don't like sexuality in my robots. <laughs> I'm going to straight up, like, I just don't like it. It's, like, the one thing that you can have that doesn't need to have a vagina and doesn't... Or, or you know, like... <laughs> you know? That's a great quote. It's the <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that you have that doesn't need to have a vagina. No, but it's just true. It's Toasters, like, Yeah. <laughs> Refrigerators, yep. Robots, <laughs> nah. <laughs> I will take a toaster with a vagina, but I just, you know, like why even add it? Because robots are so compelling without sexuality. I think sexuality is a great turn that works for for humans, even fucking animals. Like, you know, it, it works for not humans, fucking animals. <laughs> it works. We got for, a lot of good quotes on this one. <laughs> It just bores me with robots because robots have so much to work with. Like you don't even need to throw sexuality. Yeah, into you like it. them as asexual kind of uh, and observers they can use sexuality, human sexuality. Yeah, kind of. but like they can. There's just I just don't see a need for it. But then the other thing that that I thought was was lame was um, Ava essentially, and this isn't. I don't even know if this is a spoiler. This isn't like the first half hour of the film. Is that, you know, basically, and, and you know, something weird's going to happen because like we already mentioned it. So like the power cuts out in the uh, compound that they're staying in and Ava turns to Caleb and they're in this one on one room and with the power down, knowing that, you know, the cameras and, and that, you know, Nathan isn't going to be watching. She goes, don't trust Nathan. Everything he says is a lie. And then the power comes back up and then she's sweet and t is talking about like, you know, whatever that has nothing to do with it. So Caleb's reaction was like. I'm going to keep this in my hat. Like I'm not like my reaction. I maybe Caleb is also part of why I didn't like it because my reaction would have been like, yo, Nathan, your robot kind of <laughs> told me that, you know, that you're a liar and a evil guy. Like that would have been my <laughs> first thing. And I think the movie even could have been pretty cool. Had he done that? Yeah, that is what I was expecting to happen. 
yeah, it's interesting that he didn't. I mean, that's that's the whole story, and it. it's just that he he gets caught up in it, and uh, you know, you can't really blame the logic of it just because that's you know that's what the story's trying to do. It's it's this sweet little boy who gets strung along. You know, that's what, that's what it's about. Yeah, I don't. It just didn't. I was disappointed, and I'm sad, but. I'm really looking forward to whatever he has to come out next because so far it's been like a pretty good average for him. And this oh, wasn't bad absolutely. by any means. Yeah. It wasn't a bad film. It he just, seems like a really fucking creative guy. Like, you know, if you look at his track record thus far, yeah, his, his track record is fantastic. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, if it's worth seeing for Oscar Isaac one way or another. Hell yeah. All right. So here's a question for you, Alex. Did you like it more than Chappie? <laughs> Uh, Did you just do a line of blow? <laughs> God damn no it, Alex! No, no one will ever know. I um, I don't know. It's apples and oranges. Uh, that's an easy out. Any more uh, turns of phrase? I don't know any more. <laughs> I mean, I like Ex Machina. It's great. You, you should see it. If I think it's, I think it's one of the more interesting AI movies probably ever. You know, I think you can say that it's not realistic. Like Ava isn't what you want in an AI in a movie, but that doesn't mean she's not an interesting examination of what AI might actually turn out to be. Right or on. maybe you're not an interesting examination of what AI turns out. Oh, shit. Out. No, I'm not. <laughs> you going to take that? Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, what do we want out of robots? This is a good question. Cody, what do you want out of a robot? Well, we've been talking about artificial intelligence, and we might as well talk about artificial intelligence in a movie, because I think... Uh, you know, it's it's not a good movie to me. Like, I don't think it's that uh, great. I don't think anybody really like loves it. Oh, that I like AI. You loved it. Okay, I, I have only seen it once. Okay, there, you, so you theaters. didn't love it. You didn't love it. Okay, <laughs> and it made me weep. Yeah, you were a kid. No, like it still like I'm sure it would still make me weep. All right. Well, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, if you call a movie AI artificial intelligence, that's so much to live up to. True. That like it's it's almost unattainable for it to be good. It's like when Disney came out with that movie Dinosaur. Like they came out with it like around the same time as AI too. I think not AI too. AI as well. And like that's so much to live up to. You can't you can't call a movie Dinosaur because everyone's gonna be like, all right, well that better be the best fucking dinosaur movie ever. And there was also that DreamWorks movie Robots that CGI. And it was called, you're going to call a movie Robots? It's got to be like the greatest robot movie ever, you know? So I feel like AI kind of like drew itself into a corner with that. How are you going to do it? How are you going to live up to that? Because it's like the, the original story isn't called that. It's called like Super Toys Last All Summer Long or whatever. <laughs> that sounds like a weird porno. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a horrible title and I know why they changed it, you know, but why change it to... AI. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's kind of like, that's like snakes on a plane. That's like the equivalent of changing something to snakes. on. It's like, they're just the most literal. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like calling it that it's just too, you, there's no way it could ever be that good. You know? Well, which so what robots have you like Chappie? Oh, I fucking love Chappie. Why did you like Chappie? At, did you like Chappie as a, as a guy? <laughs> yeah. I like Chappie as a character. I think that was a real strength of the film. You know, the way he interacts in that movie, it reminded me a lot of like, uh, what I loved from that show, John from Cincinnati, that HBO David Milch show. There was a little bit of that in it. There was uh, a little bit of like a spring breakers kind of freewheeling, 
you know, doing bad shit vibe to it. I really, really dug that movie. And I went into it not seeing a trailer for it and not knowing much about it at all. It was like a free screening that me and John D'Amico went to. And we fucking adored that motherfucker. And it seems like Smug Film's becoming like a chappy appreciation society. <laughs> because, I mean, that movie gets fucking shit on on the internet. It's got like a 30-something on Rotten Tomatoes. Alex, I know you dig it. Harry mm-hmm. likes it. You know, Brad likes it. John. We've got a lot of like chappy appreciators at the Smug Film Warehouse. But... uh I don't know. It yeah, gets trashed. I didn't see it, but it was on my. It was. I wanted to go. I and do I think it. you will like I, it. I probably will. Yeah, yeah. That was like the best. I guess the best robot movie I'd seen in a long time. I don't know. I I just really dug it. I think a lot of it was the acting. I think uh, Charlto. I think that's how you say his name. Copley. He his his mannerisms and his his uh, expressions and everything. It was just like perfect. Yeah. Um. Charlto Copley is he's the best. I. He he's going to be a selling point for me for every movie he's in from now until forever. Um, you didn't see Elysium, did you? I did. No, I never saw it. Um, it's good. I like it. It's not the greatest thing, but uh, he he plays the villain, one of the villains in it. Oh, the um, the South African guy. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. was amazing. The, he was the only good part yes. of that movie. He's right. a great he, actor. Yeah. He he his his mannerisms and that too. Uh, when you when you said he has mannerisms and chappy, I just immediately thought. There's a moment in Elysium where he like he's in this um, helicopter. Oh, what do you call them? They're the helicopter mixed with a plane. Um, Heliplane. And, and, no, it's not a heliplane. And uh, it like blows up a vehicle or something while it's flying, and he's hanging out the back, and he like flips off the explosion as they're flying by it, and it's just the greatest little moment. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, he made that movie. Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't make it. Neil Baumkamp made it. Shut up. <laughs> well, it's like he's you know he's acting alongside Matt Damon in it. He's just like a block of wood the whole time, right? <laughs> and he but um, Charlotte has there's so much life compared to Matt Damon. See, I love the little robot in the beginning of that movie that was like the parole officer. <laughs> sure. That little see maybe that's I just do I do have a real soft spot for like simple AI. You like the little ones, right? Do you remember, Cody, there was a program, and maybe you, Alex, there was a program called Eliza. On, yeah. That was like course. your computer psychiatrist. On the Mac, yeah. I love Eliza. Nope. I think it was Mac. actually pronounced like Eliza. It but... stood E-L-I-Z-A. It stood for something, yeah. actually. But that was the best thing because it, it would just be like, hello, what do you want to talk about? And you're like, no one loves me. And then it's like, can you elaborate? Yeah, it's like all the, it's all the it was actually kind of like supposed to be a parody of um that method of psychiatry where it's like you're basically just asking the person questions and to elaborate and getting them to open up about shit rather than offering actual uh, advice. Right, right, right. So it was like it was it was showing that you could actually do like a simulation of that like really really simply. That was the best thing. It was so much fun to play with as a kid cuz it's like it's not a toy but you're like using it as a toy and it's like not for kids, but you're just using it anyway. I, sp- I spent hours talking to that. Oh thing. yeah. It's so much fun. That and Googly Minotaur, which was Radiohead's like yeah. chat bot. On that was AIM. big for a while, man. I spent so many hours talking. I had my own chat bots because my like AOL screen name, like I, I made several screen names of, of the, the same name, but with different numbers at the end. And then mm. like just had chat bots for all the rest of them. And then occasionally would like sign on a chat bot on my AOL name and have see if people could like talk to it and figure <laughs> it out. My own Turing test. 
But yeah, man. All right. What do I want out of AIs? I, I think the last, actually, in like kind of like Elysium, the, the best part of um, uh, Prometheus for me was um, David 8. And I loved David 8. That movie was yeah. like mixed, but he was so good. And actually more so than him. And I can't remember if I've said this on the show before, was that little YouTube video uh, that was made before the movie came out as a promo of mm. David 8 like being born and like like talking to David 8 as this like mm -hmm. promo for why you should buy him and that the acting is that in that is so amazing yeah it just kills me because he has these like five like this like half second pauses they'll be like David what do you dream about and then he'll just sort of like his expression takes him like it's just a slight lag and then his expression changes and then he's moving in these like sort of natural but unnatural ways and he's like talking about like I dream of many things, you know, and like, ah, mm. oh, so good. Like we have to definitely throw a link up for that. Cause I, I love yeah. that much more than the movie. I would have watched two hours. Yeah. That's that hard video. to live up to when you have that great a piece, you know, it's hard to, for a movie to live up to something that like natural and well, elegant, Fassbender, you know? he did so well. And yeah, I can't he's tell a if tremendous he did it. Actor. I can't tell if he did it before or after the film, because in the movie, he doesn't have those same mannerisms. That's and a good I was question. such a bummer. Yeah. It was like, man, like he was so great in that. But anyhow, any any robot that loves Peter O'Toole as much as I do. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, all the Alien movies, they had pretty good uh, robots in them, right? Alien, yeah. Yeah. Aliens, like, they handled it really well. What I loved was, like, the whole, um, like, you, you eventually see, like, their insides in both of those. And, mm -hmm. um, like, that's always, like, a it's a very shocking thing, and it's a very visceral thing. And it's always, like, you can go gorier when it's not red, you know? Like it's, mm. um, it's like, I think it's white in the, in, yep. yeah. Is it white in both of them or is it yellow in one of them or something? I don't remember. Yeah. It's I just like, remember alien. Yeah. I guess it's white. And, um, you know, you can get really weird with it when mm -hmm. the color's off. It's like with, um, the movie phantasm, you know, they use yellow blood in that second one and you can, it, it's, it's such like a, uh, you know, you're so used to seeing red that once you see yellow, it's like it, it, brings back the shock of seeing gore like that, you know? You become sure, desensitized yeah. to to uh to red. So when you're seeing this uh this character bleeding white, you know, it kind of fucks with you. Or yellow in Phantasm 2's case. Definitely. So I love that aspect where it's like um you don't think about their insides until you finally see their insides. I think mm -hmm. that's always a that's always a good uh a very visceral thing to use in a robot movie. So that's that's another thing I can say, uh, a point against Ex Machina, that I don't know if you'll agree with Jenna, is um, the design of Ava's robot. The like I liked the mesh thing that like her shoulders and torso had going on, um, but otherwise like her lower half of her torso is like this see-through, and there are, it's like chrome with blue lights moving up it, um, and it's very uh, sterile. And kind of bland for me because mm. yeah i really love um seeing the inside of robots in movies like you said yeah you uh, need the, that money shot at some point i was right, wondering exactly if, yeah maybe if her design was about touch I, like i think maybe that's how i would well sure figure i mean it, it out it, is it that makes, that was probably it, like a soft middle <laughs> it makes sense i suppose yeah yeah but i agree um, yeah it's a little it was like maybe that was the other issue is that they show you her robotness a little too soon and then oh. yeah it's like really front and center yeah. yeah i agree a little more mystery might have helped one i really dug uh as far as like a robot money shot is uh the daft punk movie electroma have either of you seen that no no 
You guys haven't seen that? You'd fucking love it. Is it made by Trauma? No, it's a <laughs> it's a Daft Punk movie guy. And it's uh they made it, I guess, after um Human After All, that record that everybody hated, but I think is really good. And um it was just like a it's almost like the brown bunny, but with a robot cast. Like that's how I would describe it. You actually it. just sold me on that. Oh my god, it's an amazing movie. It's it's very stripped down, very minimalist kind of uh, experimental, not really much talking, just some sort of music. It's like an extended music video almost. And there's some great robot money shots and it's a beautiful looking movie. I would definitely recommend it to not just you two people, but everybody <laughs> listening. And uh, I endorse it. You know, I don't want to talk about it too much because you guys haven't seen it and, you know, I don't want to ruin it or in any regard. So that's, that's definitely one to check out. That's the one that's, I know the, it's got the, like the black bodysuit with a circuit board face thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I've seen the the image before. Yeah. It's, it's full of like very striking imagery. It's one of those movies where like, yeah, you can say you, you were bored by it or you didn't like it. You know, I can, I can conceive of people being bored by it. I wasn't, but I can get it. And, you know, it's like kind of like that Gus Van Sant, like Jerry kind of thing where there's like a lot of landscapes and whatnot. It's like, all right, yeah, that's not everybody's cup of tea. But there's such striking moments in it that it's hard to really ever call it like bad or ugly or anything. Like it's just it's it's a very beautiful looking movie. Uh, going back to the um, the point you made before, one of you asked the question of the other. What do you want out of an AI in a movie? Um, and I want to, I want to go back to that a bit, uh, and I don't want to talk about Ex Machina too much, but I want to talk about it a little bit. Um, also because you brought up AI. This podcast think- is sponsored by Ex Machina <laughs> in theaters now. Get your tickets on also, the Fandango or Ding Dongo or whatever the fuck that's called. And on the Fandango. Go see it. It's also sponsored by Chappie. Yeah, but they didn't pay as much, so we're not going to talk about them as much. <laughs> um, yeah, so you talk about AI making you weep. And AI, like you said, Cody, it's called AI. It has something to live up to. And AI, I think, like it's, I think it's a fine movie. It's really colorful. It's really fun. Um, I mean, they a, they DP'd the shit out of that movie. That's yeah. a gorgeous looking movie, yeah. especially there's like a, the first a, chunk of that, like in the house and everything, and all the white. Like that's gorgeous. Yeah, it's a really rich world and all of that. Um, but the way it treats AI is maybe one of like the blandest worst ways that you could i mm. think um because it it basically takes for granted that the ai is really a person with a soul um and the whole movie is just spent proving that and it, it's it's just not a very interesting conflict for me whereas something like ex machina is actually the movie itself is a debate about what AI is and how AI comes about and all that. And so like the, you know, Ava is conflicted and weirdly designed and she's, she's first and foremost a product to be sold, um, which Nathan says. And so like Ava is an AI in a movie that exists in the context of the story and it makes sense. Whereas in a movie like say AI or even Blade Runner, um, or any of the movies that are about that, or say like, I haven't seen it, but I'm going to guess this happens, Bicentennial Man, um, where the movie just takes for granted that the AI character 
is like is a human mm-hmm. um, but happens to be in a robot body and i i think that's really boring personally uh, it's it's also just wrong um a, like when you design an ai it's not like it's it's not like you're writing a computer program and you upload it into the robot and then a soul comes out of nowhere and infuses the machine <laughs> yeah uh, that doesn't happen you know it's it's it, so like in ex machina ava I would agree is a little more boring of a character, but she still feels realistic in that sense, comparatively. You know, there's no, yeah, sorry, there's no like change of heart moment. There's no moment where she like reveals her humanity. She, she just does what she wants with the tools she's been given, you know, and just that's it. And then she just uses the circumstances to march towards her goal, you know, and accomplishes it. And I, and I think the fact that it doesn't devolve into sappiness or any of that, I think is, uh, is really interesting. Oh, but it was so sappy. Like that ending, the ending was super sappy. It was a bit sappy, but it like, it, it still made sense. I don't know. It it, it made sense more than something like it's like, it's yeah, it's just a movie like Blade Runner just takes it for granted and and X Machina didn't. I feel like Chappie kind of circled that really well, where it was like, there was almost sort of an uncanny valley as far as like, what is consciousness that they like talked about? Like they, they like addressed that they didn't fully understand consciousness, even though that they, they had understood like how to create AI. So I think like that was a good way to sort of circle that idea without getting too sappy and weird with it you know it didn't it didn't simplify it it was just like a thing Mm -hmm. of like yeah we don't really understand it you know it's like we haven't bridged that gap yet i think ex machina would have really benefited from some more like um like a vaguer ending almost like a real 70s like you know the end of the graduate could have been the end of ex machina Mm -hmm. it would have been awesome like i would have gotten super behind that but the the ending felt a little too final in, in some ways, for Ava, at least. Sure, sure, sure. Which I can be, I can see how someone wouldn't get that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, whatever. But, like, it, if it had been a little more open-ended and, or there was apparently some deleted scene, and there's more a smug film exclusive that I read off the internet, <laughs> <laughs> that where you see the, the movie from at the end with Ava's perspective. Right, right. And that, if you, you should look it up. You just like Google like alternate ending uh, Ex Machina and it'll, I'm sure it'll come up. It was an interview, I think, with Oscar Isaac and it was really interesting. And I thought it really added, and I won't say it if someone doesn't want to be spoiled if they're still listening at this point, but I thought that was, could have really just elevated the film to being a, like, a, like a little better, but I don't know. Back, back to Chappie, uh, you brought up a good point, Cody. Um, about like uh, consciousness Chappie is really interesting because it's one of the only movies I can think of and I might just be ignorant or spacing out and not being able to think of them but where you actually see like the AI essentially get born and then you grow up with it mm-hmm. throughout the course of the movie and I think it handled handled it really well I mean it kind of just makes it in like him into a literal human child which isn't necessarily the most realistic thing but but he like all of the the mannerisms and the gestures and the words that he hears around him from all the people he'll adopt for himself right in a really like natural organic way and in an um, accelerated way so like 
Sure. You know, right. he's like a teenager in a couple of days because he's such a smart being. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so like all these words that like he hears, they become so important. They become so crucial to how he expresses himself, even right, like right. very insignificant uh, modes of expression that he hears around him. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really uh, beautifully done. I, I still, my favorite, maybe my favorite part in the entire movie is um, when he's in like his teenage angsty stage and uh, he finds out for the first time that he can die. And so he goes outside and leans up against the wall and has like one leg up with his foot flat on the wall. He's folding his arms. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the most like angsty, silly little thing. Oh, um, it's so great. Yeah. Yeah. Man, now I want to watch Chappie again. <laughs> All right. So a couple more robots. Let's, uh, let's divert from AI a little bit. And let's talk about robots that just damn near aren't intelligent whatsoever. One I'll bring up is Chopping Mall. I like Chopping Mall. You guys all fans (laughs) of Chopping Mall? I haven't seen it. Chopping Mall's fun. It's got these uh, kill bots that are, uh, they're a security system for a a mall. Just the the vibe of that movie and the vibe of the robots, it's like you're not supposed to think they have any intelligence whatsoever. They're essentially just drones doing whatever. Mm -hmm. And you kind of relate to them anyway, just through the humor of that which is a really interesting thing. Like that's, it's almost like the concept of, um, you know, anybody can relate to like a smiley face emoticon, but if it's like a very detailed image of a person, maybe you can't specifically relate to it. It's like that, that thing that Scott McCloud goes into in um, his book, Understanding Comics, where he's talking mm-hmm. about how like the more simple an icon, the more people can relate to it. And the more um, complex something is, the more, you can't relate to it. And, you know, when you take like simple robots, like whether it's the killbots from Chopping Mall, which are just fun and silly, or like R2-D2 or C-3PO less, you know, because he's he's more of his own person. Like R2-D2, you really attribute a lot of qualities to, even though yeah. they might ne- necessarily be there. Whereas C-3PO, he's kind of asserts himself a little bit and it's harder to... Uh, you know, relate to him, I guess. Moon did that really well too. Yeah. They, they just straight up oh, yeah. use emoticons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was brilliant. That was such a great touch. Um, yeah. I was thinking about that actually. The, the whole simple, simple and nice is easy to relate to. And uh, you brought up heart beeps earlier. And so that might be like the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. Before we started talking, I was like, you've seen heart beeps, right? And he was like, oh, my God, because <laughs> that's like one of the classic examples of a robot movie gone bad. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's Andy Kaufman and uh, Bernadette Peters, I think that's the other one. Remember, might be her. I mean, that's a notoriously panned film. It kind of looks like, uh, you know, if you're listening, you probably remember those Duracell commercials from when you were a kid where it was like the plastic family that like has batteries in their backs. Oh yeah. Stuff. I remember that. It's that kind of look, you know, it's Andy Coffin and I'm, I'm, I'm going to insist on Bernadette Peters. I don't feel like Googling her right now. Let's just <laughs> yeah, pretend right. it's her. It's Bernadette. Peters. It is. All right, cool. Uh, it's them in that kind of makeup and like plasticky look. And it's them like, uh, it's kind of like a road movie almost. It's really fucking bad. <laughs> and I think part of what makes it makes it not work is because, you know, these are very complex looking characters and they have a lot of, um, I don't know, it's just it's too much accoutrements to the mm-hmm. whole idea of them, you know, whereas like something like Wally, he's his own person, 
but there's enough to apply to him still. You know, he's he's simple enough that you can really relate to him, whereas heartbeeps, you just can't relate to them. And Bicentennial yeah. Man, I'd toss that in there. Like, you can't really, sure. can't really do it. Maybe even not so much relate to as much as project onto. Right. Right. I mean, like with Wally, it's just the, the binocular eyes. Like, those eyes are just become a reflection that you're looking into. Yeah. Uh, whereas with heartbeeps, it's like horrible nightmare inducing gaze yeah it looks like villains you know mm-hmm. when it when it's that detailed and that um strange it just looks like you're looking at a villain um stan winston did the costumes for that who's fucking brilliant you know yeah right yeah he's, he's, he's made some garbage over the years too. yeah but when case, he's but... when he's firing on all cylinders you know oh, he's yeah fucking incredible predator yeah but uh yeah that was i mean don't don't go see it. You can probably find clips on YouTube. Yeah, no, it is. It's not one you need to sit through. Like it's, I don't like the phrase like painful to watch, but it literally the only movie that I would describe. <laughs> yeah, it's very grating. Like, I couldn't. I it made me like, uh, like antsy. I just really hated every minute of it. It's similar to the Uncanny Valley thing too, right? It's like when you're looking at like Beowulf, the Zemeckis movie, and you're seeing these like oh, God, yeah. fake looking people. It's That's what it's kind of like when you're looking at Heartbeeps or uh, even Bicentennial Man looks even more elegant than Heartbeeps. Like it's mm. just, it's wrong. It's just, it's not what you're supposed to be looking at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's another one I wanted to mention. Um, I don't know if either of you have seen uh, Black Hole. The Disney movie? No. No. Um, I watched that on a lark because I was digging through... Um, after Star Wars came out, uh, Disney and some other companies basically wanted to hop on that train. And so they started making big budget fantasy and sci-fi movies that all flopped, like Dragon Slayer and uh, Black Hole was one of those. And I actually really, really like Black Hole. Um, it's really weird and surreal and kind of inept but it has a really unique story and a great villain. Um, so it's worth watching in my opinion, but there's a robot in it named Vincent and he's an R2D2 ripoff that falls super, super flat. He has like these enormous square eyes <laughs> that are like white, big white rectangles with big black dots in the middle. And that's one of the reasons that he, he falls flat um, is cause they don't like change. They're not emotive but they're still there staring all the time. I'm looking uh, him up right now and he kind of looks like he would be like something that you would fight in Mega Man. Right, exactly. Yeah, he looks like a toy. You know, where it's like R2-D2 was designed as a robot but makes a great toy, maybe. I don't know if it makes a great toy. Yeah. But uh, it can be a toy. This looks like it was a toy first and then they put it in the movie. Yeah, it just looks like a little Tomy, like plastic uh, toy or something. Uh, but he, I mean, he has his own charm in the movie. So great movie <laughs> underrated r2d2's got like a great face because you're not really sure what his face is sure. you know it's almost like um you know r2d2 i'd put in the same character as like gromit from wallace and gromit yeah where like there's so much that you're putting on it by looking at him and like a lot of it is just like the sort of deadpan reactions i mean he's I, a perfect straight man yeah he's a great straight man i remember that piece you did alex about um you know, the straight face sort of reactions. Yeah. Right. And uh, talk a little bit about that Star Wars example, because I think that kind of applies here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that that was C-3PO, because, uh, yeah, he's he's definitely 
on the bad end of the spectrum, I think. So yeah, the, the piece was about the Kuleshov effect and just how I, I just really like blank stares in movies. And there's a gr- there are a few great blank stares in Ex Machina now that I think of it, uh, Kyoko. So uh, what's it? At the end of A New Hope, C-3PO is sitting for some reason in like the war room where Princess Leia and some other rebel people are. And um, R2 is in the back of Luke Skywalker's X-Wing and he gets shot and fried and for all we know, killed. And there's a shot of C-3PO turning to look at Leia to like, you know, something he wants a reaction out of somebody. Um, and no one turns to him at all. No one says anything. Uh, everyone just completely ignores the fact that R2 dies. And you just see C-3PO's gaze hang there for a second and then turn back. And it's like super sad. Mm. It stuck with me more than most moments out of the Star Wars movies. Yeah, that's, um, that's an intense part. And it's it's amazing that it works because, you know, his face is what it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just it, a it's, fixed expression. Right, right. And so it can look as goofy as it does, but just because it's still, it can be that emotional. Mm. The lamps on Pixar are like a perfect example. Yeah, that's actually, yeah, that's perfect. It's like, man, I like, I, as a kid, always loved lamps like that because I thought they looked like they had personality. And then yeah. Pixar picked up on it and just went with it. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and that, then that freaking what was that commercial where the they leave the lamp out in front of the home because they're selling it or something and it's mm-hmm. raining and then like it makes you want to cry <laughs> <laughs> i'm surprised pixar never like really ran with the lamp thing and did at least like a short based on that i i mean they they did one originally like that's where yeah. that logo is from but they never revisited that and it's it's such a great design and it's a shame they never went with it, it actually what was that movie um the Brave Little Toaster. Mm-hmm. It could almost be like, a, and it's not a robot movie, but it has that same sort of, I think, appeal. Have you guys seen that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, nope. Oh, it's such a, it's like not a great film, but it's also like about like, you know, reading faces on inanimate objects and like, you know, the the air conditioner is evil or like the, you know, but the, <laughs> the toaster is friendly and like the cars. There's a scene, I remember my sister as a kid, you know, watching this as a child and, and there was a scene where the cars all get hauled off to be compacted and, and my sister just wept. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting one because it's, you know, it doesn't do the whole like, you know, furry animals hanging out thing. It's like, you know, appliances hanging out, you know, like that's like the premise is that all your appliances have like cartoon faces and hang out with each other and go on adventures. It makes you never want to throw anything out of Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was thinking actually about that. That was one of the notes I had. Um, the comparing it to the uh, like animals in movies and how whenever an animal dies in a movie, you get really sad, and that's because you know we see animals as like innocent and not deserving of cruelty and all of that. And so we the, like there's you can never anything that ever happens to an animal is like a, a, an extreme injustice for us. And I think it's the same way with like simple looking robots or ro- robots that have like the really simple cutesy faces yeah. um, and that like don't necessarily speak English. Uh, so like R2-D2 and anything like that. Um, it's like you feel really bad when they get hurt because you're, you're kind of basically seeing them as like an animal. Well, they're an innocent. Um, do you think that? Just, yeah, innocent. Do you think that also comes from like you know, our visual reaction to like when our property doesn't work. Like if, if your laptop breaks down, you feel it like drain of emotion, like, Oh no, like all my stuff and like all my memories with it and this, that, and the other. 
Like I, you get that kind of reaction, maybe more with a computer than with like a TV or a phone or something. But if it's like your iPhone or if it's your laptop or if it's something like that where you have this strong connection and all these memories inside of it, like if it breaks, you feel that drain, you know, maybe not as much as like if like a, a cat or a dog that you own passes away, but it probably draws a little bit from that. And that's kind of like a shorthand, you know, I do have sure. every single computer I've ever owned. I still own <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> going back to the 80s. What's like, your what's your oldest one? An Apple II. Oh, no, you still have that? It still works. Dude, I got to try that. I have I have them all in my well, my parents' basement. Like, and they all still work. It's actually been rare. I always take very good care of my electronics because I'm in love with them. <laughs> Do you have the, um, the like, the colored IMAX? Yeah, my uh, we had a, the blueberry one. Oh. I still have that. He still works. I still love those. Those <laughs> are cute. See, that's a cute fucking computer. I don't know why we ever rebelled against that. Like, that oh, was a great design. I can't wait to bring those back. Yeah. Computers are kind of boring looking now. I yeah. like that gold laptop coming out from Apple, but... It seems really dumb. Yeah. It's not like a, there's no USB on it. Yeah. And then now they don't have like CD drives and shit. Yeah. Soon it's just going to be no keyboard, no anything. <laughs> it's going to be, they're just going to hand you a piece of metal. <laughs> no screen, nothing. <laughs> the second they come out with actual AI companions, I'm I'm there. 100%. Yeah, you want cannot to, wait. That's a good yeah, question. Definitely. You guys want some AI? Yes. Yes. In what form? What would be your ideal, like, if you were to purchase an AI, if you had a check for whatever, a blank check, you can go into a store, you can get your dream AI. What would your dream artificially intelligent whatever be? I loved, like, the Asimov robot. You guys remember him? I think Honda was making him. He was really cute. I really wanted one of those. But I think that, like, I, I straight up would take, like, a, like, you know, human-sized companion to be my best friend forever. Right. So <laughs> what would like- it look like? What what would it, I don't know like but that's it depends because so now like I love R2D2 yeah. but I also love David 8 because you know like so I So you just want Fastbender walking around your house. <laughs> Who doesn't? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like I would take like a a little robot. That would be totally cool. Or the what was the Sony dog? I always, I was desperately wanted one of those. Oh yeah, I remember that. It's not called K9, but I want to call it K9. Yeah. Stuff like that like it really depends. Like I'll take whatever at least like learns and stays relevant because that was always a thing is like well if i'm gonna dish out all this money it better be my best friend forever well like a real ai they're probably not gonna be attached to like specific hardware you know Mm -hmm. it's like you're gonna buy like a little dog robot um but you'll be able to upgrade the body you know you'll just stick a usb in and transfer it so like my my ideal ai is not gonna be attached to a body probably It'll be like in my car uh, and then I'll be able to take it out and put it in my phone or whatever. So you basically want Knight Rider. <laughs> right. I was thinking that. Yeah. Knight Rider. Mm-hmm. Right on. Something that's like sarcastic, you know? Yeah. When you go yeah. and when you're going around stealing rocks from the government, <laughs> you know, you'll have your, your plucky car, you know, commenting along the way. <laughs> I think I would choose uh, I just want R2-D2. Like I'm good with just that. <laughs> Would he like serve you drinks like Jabba the Hutt? No, I just, I just want him around. You just want a straight man. Yeah. I just, I want to be able to bounce like jokes off him and have him <laughs> not just beep or not do anything like or whatever. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I've straight up thought about doing stand-up comedy with a laptop just to have a computer straight man on stage with me. 
but like I haven't figured it out completely. But you could work on that. Anyone hears this, if you steal that, just let me know about it because I, I got to see it. Yeah, I, I just I want R two D two. Chappie would be too much responsibility. I would just right. be watching what I was saying every fucking second, and it would just be weird. R two D two, not much responsibility. Like he can get around as long as there's no stairs. Can you climb <laughs> stairs? Yeah. Are there any stairs in the Star Wars movies? He, he can like put that. He can put like his feet up and then move the other one in. Yeah, it's and, usually like, a lot of like elevators in those movies. Like, well, they're yeah. big they're, on the fucking elevators and ramps. No escalators. A lot of ramps. A lot of elevators. Mm, not yeah. much stairs. He has a R two D two has a jetpack and uh, right. Jet uh, but, but he's he gonna for- burn my fucking beautiful hardwood <laughs> floors. True, yeah, yeah, that yeah, might not be yeah. good. If I tell him don't do that, then. Maybe yeah, he'll well, he's kind of got a mind of his own, you know. God damn it, R two. <laughs> I was gonna ask, what do you think of the oh, what the uh, BB eight? What's he called? The new one? The what now? In the new Star Wars, The Force Awakens. The oh, new is that R2. the one where it's just a circle hovering on like the a ball. square? The ball, yeah. Yeah, what the fuck it's is not, that? Not a square. No, what's the thing? It's like hovering on a thingy. It's 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 a little head that's on top of a ball. Yeah, that's ball retarded. Rolls around, it, but it the looks head like stays. it doesn't make any sense. You remember communion? That one scene where the alien comes in from the door. Oh, I love that movie. And it looks like a toy, like a wind-up toy. And yeah. it scared the shit out of me as a child and, and like brought me into adulthood out of fear. Uh, I wish I had seen that movie when I was <laughs> Oh my God, that would ruin ruined my life. me. It ruined yeah. my life. Yeah. It looks like that. <laughs> I'm surprised you can function in normal society, Jenna. I have not seen that of, as a child. I'm still afraid of the dark because of that movie. Yeah. Strictly. Yeah, so that new, that new Star Wars guy, not so much. I mean, I'll, I'll still see the movie, but... What was that Star Wars guy, the evil guy from the third movie that Dark. has like the snidely, snivelly... Was it Sidious or... He no, was cute. Grievous. Or Grievous, Grievous. Grievous. General Warm. Grievous. I liked him. He had like a cough. Yeah. He was yeah, fighting yeah. the bug he or something. He wasn't technically an artificial intelligence, though. Yeah, Did he they was... ever explain the cough? Well, he was Probably half, half in human. like the extended universe bullshit or something. But not in the fucking movie. I don't think so, no. Maybe that was like a deleted scene where he's like, you know, he's... <laughs> These allergies. Yeah. <laughs> they cut that one line and then left the rest in and it's like, wait, what? No wonder the movie didn't work. Yeah. Someone drew a gif of him wearing with like a like an old timey evil mustache and like a top hat and it worked right. so perfectly. It makes yeah. sense. He had like way too many lightsabers too, right? <laughs> yeah, he collected them. Motherfucker. And he, he would like spin them around. Yeah. Fucking cheating. Just, he was like the asshole kid that you like play Star Wars with like in the backyard when you're a kid and he's like coming up with like shit that doesn't belong in Star Wars. <laughs> sure, like he's spinning yeah. around. He's like, yeah, my lightsaber's got like a motor and it just, it's like, no, that's not in any of the fucking things. You're that's like all the first like, three movies. <laughs> exactly. You're talking about the prequels. It's a little little rich kid coming yeah. up with ideas for things that don't actually belong. Exactly. Yeah, right. I want that kid to go home. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with a question. So see you soon. And now, Chloe Peltier reviewing a movie she's seen parts of while working at the theater. Okay, Mad Max Fury Road. I've worked it twice so far. There's a lot of yelling and a lot of orange. And it looks really cool, actually. And Tom Hardy's kind of a hottie. I didn't expect this because... I don't really tend to be attracted to celebrities. And so in seeing this, I looked up photos and he looks like shit in real life, but in films, he looks really good. That's the magic of cinema. The soundtrack is really cool. It's 
sounds like cellos or something. It's very low and um, very slow, but then it kind of picks up sometimes. And I heard once that low-toned um, music, that, that women were more sensitive to that, and it made them horny or something. So maybe that's why I'm attracted to Tom Hardy in that film. Thanks, Chloe. And now, back to the show. This question's from Anthony, and he asks, How do you guys deal with the urge to watch movies again? There are a lot of times I have a movie I haven't seen yet, but I'm really in the mood to watch Goodfellas. So that takes precedent. That's a good question. That, I feel like that happens to me a lot. Does that happen to you guys? That happened to uh, me really, really recently, actually. Because funny enough, I actually don't tend to rewatch movies a ton. I definitely have re I own DVDs. Like I do like rewatching movies, but I'm not one of those people that like just watches the same film every day or every week. Like it usually I give it like a, a good year. Like I have to get to the point where I feel like I don't remember parts of it. Then I right. want to watch it. Otherwise, sometimes it can like kind of I don't like overwatching stuff. Sometimes like it it ruins comedies for me because then I'm not laughing anymore, even if I'm enjoying it. There are certain comedies where like the more I watch it, the more I find tiny, tiny, like minuscule things that like make me laugh. Right. Or there's that. It's like all the big jokes I'm not laughing at anymore. But like there are these tiny little like looks or whatever. Like I remember like, what about Bob? That's a, that's a comedy I've seen maybe 30 times in my life. Like that was a huge favorite of mine when I was a kid. I used to watch that incessantly. I think it's almost like a kid thing. Like when you're really young, if you like something, you're going to see it like 20, 30 times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but if you watch what about Bob, you know, the, the thing you normally look at when you're watching that movie is you're watching Bill Murray be silly. But if you watch that movie only looking at Richard Dreyfuss's reactions, you realize that like he is so fucking good in that movie yeah. and so funny with his like straight man reactions and like his anger reactions and everything. Like there's a great scene where they're doing the uh, good morning America thing at Richard Dreyfuss's house and Bill Murray's character kind of takes over the conversation and makes it about him and like everybody loves him and Dreyfuss feels left out. That whole scene, if you just watch Richard Dreyfuss's face from the beginning of that to the end of that, it's so fucking funny. And he's so good comedically in that movie and really, really shines. And, you know, I like I like rewatching movies for that kind of thing where like you're finding things that you just wouldn't normally notice. You know, I, I definitely relate to that impulse because, you know, if you really love something, you want to just revisit it and revisit it and it kind of closes you off to like new movies you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Uh, happens, happens to me a lot. And I think I used to, well, just now I'm, I'm realizing that it's probably not like the healthiest of impulses. Cause there was a time like, you know, I'd watch a new movie and I liked it so much and I would just rewatch it a bunch in like a month because I loved it so much. But more often than that, now it's just like, I feel like I have so little time to spend on movies that I don't want to take the risk with something new. Yeah. When I know that there's something that I haven't seen in a long time and that I know that I'm going to like. And so I, I'm like risk averse in that way and I'd rather just stay safe. Are now, there certain ones too where you almost want to like, you want to savor it? Like it's like a piece of candy that you only have like three left of and you want to like have one now and then like wait a little while. Like that's how I feel about Spring Breakers. I've only seen Spring Breakers once. Mm -hmm. And I mm. loved it so fucking much. And I have it on Blu-ray. I can watch it whenever I want. But I don't want to watch it too soon because mm -hmm. I just want to savor it. I want to sort that's of how, like that's what I, space that's, it out, you know? That's what I do. Because I that's don't like, smart. 
because I think about movies that I just love and that I've, I've sort of killed for myself, like say uh, Holy Grail. I love Monty Python mm-hmm. and I love Holy Grail and that movie's still great. And I remember parts of it and it still makes me laugh. But when I watch it, I don't laugh as much as like, you know, the first 17 times I watched it. Right. It's like I've seen mm-hmm. it too much. And then, yeah, it's the same thing. Like actually um, No Country for Old Men. I saw in theaters and I haven't seen since, but I still remember. I have such fond memories of that movie. I love the effect that it had on me. Like leaving that was just like such a a mind blowing film for me to like see in theaters that I haven't watched it since. And I'm waiting for like to the point where I can't remember anything about it so I can rewatch it and just like re experience that. Yeah, sure. There are certain movies too, like, uh, you know, Big Lebowski is like one of those movies that's like notoriously rewatched and rewatched and rewatched. It's like one of those big, cult comedies where you know people watch it and then they get their friends to watch it and it's like a thing you can always throw on and and please everybody like it's a kind of like a crowd pleaser if you have a group of people but you know that's that's a movie where i've had diminishing returns i think i've appreciated it more as a screenplay as i watched it more because i really like the structure of it you know it feels kind of freewheeling when you're watching it like for the first time and it feels kind of random but then when you watch it many, many times. You see, it's a very, very tightly structured movie. I really like that. But as far as actual enjoyment and humor, like it's kind of eh for me. Like there's still little parts that'll make me laugh. But at this point, I'm just kind of, it doesn't really hold up, you know? Mm -hmm. I was going to say the whole burnout thing um, is something I'm really, really careful of these days because the last movie I did that with was Frozen. I was in uh, college when I first saw it. And like the, you know, liberal arts millennial I am, I loved the hell out of it. And so I dragged a bunch of friends to it. Uh, Everyone that I knew who had seen it, I would make go see it. And so I saw it five times in the theater. Oh, wow. And then once it came out, I watched it like another three times in a week. And now I can't even look at it. It's like the blankest most wooden thing to me. See, that's how but, I felt the first time I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> so you came back around to like watching it through my eyes. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been uh, on this quest right now talking about not, not wanting to like blow your chance of like, Oh, this is my one chance to watch it. Cause I've been watching all of these Elvis movies. I'm at this breakneck speed of two a week. And then I was also watching all the Steven Seagal movies for Cody. For yeah. The which past I forced, year. I forced her into that. <laughs> So I've been trying to, I was for a while, I was trying to do, all right, watch one Elvis movie, one Steven Seagal movie, and then one new movie. And then it just happened to me where I was like, all right, like finally I can watch like a movie I really want to watch. And it was like something bad. And I was like, God damn it. You know, like, <laughs> it was my one chance. Yeah. And then back to Elvis. Back it was like your, your one day off work yeah, and exactly. you spend it like right. really badly. Well, I try to pick uh you know like yeah i don't know i try to watch new movies though i try to watch new movies more than i try to re-watch movies but occasionally it just hits me where it's like i actually feel that the opposite anxiety more often where i think like oh there's so many movies i want to see but like here i am going back to this tried and true one you know like yeah. eh, like well you know all right fine i'm gonna go treat yourself you know <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. well it's it's kind of no secret now that like i own like a lot of fucking movies like i've got a ton of blu-rays ton of dvds And, you know, I, I don't watch them like all the time, but there's something about like my favorite ones, knowing that I have them, like, that's like a fun thing. Like just seeing it there and being like, yeah, I fucking love that movie. I'm glad I own that. And, but maybe I'll maybe watch it like 
two or three more times during its lifespan of me having it like on Blu-ray or DVD or whatever. You I've know? done that. Yeah. Where you buy a, a DVD and then it takes you years to watch it again. Yeah. But you like having it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, cause you love it. It's like, if you have art that you like, it's like, it's a beautiful thing that you can own it. You know, right. you can't like go into a museum and fall in love with like a painting and then buy it unless you're like <laughs> a fucking billionaire, but you can go into like a, uh, you know, Best Buy or whatever. This uh, this episode is sponsored by... No, <laughs> not even. But you can go into a store and buy that piece of art that you love because it's a movie. And that's like a really cool thing about movies as an art form is that you can you can own the thing that you love. Mm-hmm. He didn't sound impressed. <laughs> no, I'm impressed. <laughs> I just... I, I sold off my DVD collection years ago. Yeah? And who's who's got the money and the space for that, you know? Cody. Some, well, me, someday, apparently. Someday, someday I'm going to have a, a great a great collection. Don't worry. All right. So we're going to wrap it up here. That was fun talking to robots, talking to Alex again. Wait, yeah, Alex. Just wait till you actually have robots on the show. I know. And they'll, they'll look back and they'll be like, Hex Machina was a piece of shit. Yeah. We need a robot's opinion on a lot of these. You know, we're right. speaking from a disadvantage being human. You know? Yeah, that's true. That's, yeah, we're, what, cultural appropriation? <laughs> yeah. It's like we're just speaking out of turn. I would love a freaking robot sitting here and, and reviewing stuff with us. We could probably just have a soundboard, but that wouldn't be the same. No, we need like yeah. a straight up. We need like Eliza. Yeah. So Alex, any final words for our audience? We know they've been missing you. They've been asking like, when's uh, Alex going to be on the show again? Yeah, have they? They uh, have. I have. I have. Uh, I have. Uh, <laughs> go, go. Just, my final words is go see Mad Max. I'm not going to say that it lives up the, to the hype because I don't really know if it does for other people i was i was anticipating it a lot and it's not what i thought it was going to be um hmm. so i had to i had to kind of acclimatize to it as i was watching it but once i did i was completely on board. all right i was hoping for more like rock information or uh, perennial <laughs> really? information perennial information yeah give us a perennial fact a perennial <laughs> fact uh, a lot of a lot of herbs are perennials. That's something I didn't know. I yeah, know, like ganja. <laughs> Actually, is marijuana a perennial? Yeah, mar- Yeah, that's a perennial. There you go. That's yeah. Good. Yep. All right. What other herbs are perennials? Um, uh, sage, oregano, marjoram. I like um, all those. Parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. I don't know. I don't. Probably not parsley, sage. right? Oh no! Oh no! Marijuana is an, an annual. Sorry. Yeah. Um, April April twentieth. Is that when it's, it's <laughs> right, in yeah. bloom? Mm-hmm. Right, guys, with the four and the and the twenty. Chives are perennial. You like chives? I love chives. Yeah, I like. Chives. So I can just grow chives whenever. That's not what perennial means. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean? It means it's a uh, perennial. Means that it people always love it. It's gonna live more than one year. Oh. You know, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna come up in the spring, and the plant's not going to die after it seeds. Oh, so it like has a personality and it can be my friend. It's like a robot. It's like an AI that you can just keep yeah, bringing back. Yeah, you're pretty much on the mark. Jenna, you got any final words? Uh, my instructor was Dr. Langley and he taught me to sing a song. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like me to sing it for you? What if I just ended every... You know, I haven't sang anything since our 77 episode. Yeah, sing something for the uh, the uh, Sing a robot-themed song. Daisy... Oh man, you got Barry White in the house. Yeah, that's, really cool. that's it. I don't have anything else to say. I love robots. 
I love Hal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we didn't even talk about Hal. You know what? I love that we didn't talk about Hal. Yeah, he's overdone. Fuck yeah, Hal. Fuck you. I love Hal. <laughs> no, I love Hal, too. I'm just saying, you know, it's a little on the nose. Yeah, agreed. But I do love him. He is still my favorite. Good robot. Good guy. You wouldn't want him, though. And no, but he was a nice, soothing, he, he's evil a voice. Flawed. He's not flawed. He's just misunderstood. <laughs> I would say he's flawed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, thank you for being on, and we will see you soon. Bye-bye.